A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello. And welcome to Passion and the Plague, a podcast from The Independent, where we take you back to a lockdown long ago. It's 1348. As the Black Death sweeps across Europe, a group of friends flee the Italian city of Florence to quarantine the countryside. They tell each other stories to keep themselves entertained, and the idea of Giovanni Boccaccio's Decameron, one of Europe's great literary achievements, is born. In this series, you'll hear 10 stories from the book, read by people in self-isolation across the country as we tackle the 21st century version of the play. Today's episode is Lisabetta. Enjoy. The dawn chorus of a hundred birds woke Fiametta, the queen for the sixth day, from a deep sleep. She and her companions strolled through the garden to a little gate, which led out to a broad field of wheat, nodding in the morning light. Here they wandered, chatting about the previous day's stories, until hunger and tired feet led them back to the house for breakfast. Then, as on previous days, they spent the morning dancing and playing games until siesta time. Once they'd reassembled in the garden, Fiametta, who had already chosen the theme of tragic love, picked from her friends one of the other ladies. Let's call her Lauretta. And she began. In Messina, in Sicily, three brothers lived, all merchants who had been left wealthy by the death of their father, a man who originally came from San Gimignano, not far from where we're sitting. They also had a sister called Lisabetta, but for reasons known only to them, they had never arranged a marriage for her, although she was unusually lovely and beautiful. In one of their main depots about the city, the brothers employed a young man, originally from Pisa, called Lorenzo, who was clever and wise, and so had been put in charge of all their operations. He was also rather dashing, and had on more than one occasion attracted the attention of Lisabetta. Nor was he unaware of her beauty, and more importantly, her attraction towards him. And so he dropped all his other admirers, and set himself the goal of winning Lisabetta. And since each loved the other equally, it wasn't long before they were able to satisfy their desires. Being careful to remain discreet about everything, and particularly taking care not to drop any hint to Lisabetta's brothers. And so they carried on, enjoying each other, and believing they would always be this happy. 
Although they were careful to keep their love secret, as I've said, no secret remained so forever. And it happened that one night, while Isabetta was making her way across the courtyard of her family's house, towards where Lorenzo slept, she was seen by her eldest brother. At first, anger flared up in him, for he had the passionate nature of those parts. But then, good sense got the better of him, and he decided to say and do nothing for now, so as not to bring shame on the family. But he spent the whole of the night plagued by thoughts, sleepless, and trying to work out the right course of action. Finally, in the morning, he went to his brothers and told them what he'd witnessed the night before. The three of them talked for some time, and each one of them was determined that this affair wouldn't blemish the reputation of their family, and in particular of their sister. Lorenzo was a good worker, but he was poor after all, and no particular catch. There was no way they could allow him to marry their sister, and in fact, how dare he presume? So, they decided to pretend ignorance for now, carrying on as if they knew nothing, until such time as they were able to deal with the lecherous little upstart. Following their own advice, they continued to treat Lorenzo as they'd always done, joking and chatting with him as if he were just their most valuable employee. One day, they let it be known that they were heading off to the country in order to examine some new wool supplies, and insisted that Lorenzo come with them. They were in no hurry, and waited until they journeyed to a lonely remote spot, and, while one of the brothers engaged Lorenzo in conversation so he was off his guard, the other two seized him from behind and cut his throat. They then buried his corpse where they'd murdered him, making sure that no one had seen them. On their return to Messina, they let it be known that they'd sent Lorenzo away on a business trip. No one doubted the story, as they'd often done this before. But Lorenzo's absence began to worry Lisabetta, and she would pester her brothers with anxious questions, wondering what had happened to him when he'd be returning. She became so persistent, eventually one of the brothers snapped back, Why are you asking all this? What's Lorenzo to you that you should be asking so many questions about him? If you carry on making a nuisance of yourself, you might not like what you hear. From that point on, the young girl, no matter how sad and unhappy and full of misgivings she was, asked no more questions. But by night she would cry out his name again and again in a grief-stricken voice, begging him to come back to her. Tears would come just as he failed to. She took pleasure in nothing, but went on waiting and waiting. Then one night, having cried herself to sleep, Lorenzo appeared to her in a dream, looking pale and haggard, his clothes soiled and ripped, and fixing her with his sad eyes, he spoke to her. Ah, Elisabetta, can you do nothing but call on me and beg me to return? blaming me with your tears. You must know I can never return, because on the day I left you for the last time, your brothers murdered me. Then he described the place in which he'd been buried, and, 
telling her to wail his name and wait for him no more. He disappeared into the thin air, or so it seemed in her dream. The young woman woke with a start. Believing what she had dreamed was true, she began to cry again bitter tears. And when she got up in the morning, she decided to go and find the place he'd described in her dream and confirm that what he'd said was true. She said nothing to her brothers, but made sure to get their permission to travel into the country to lift her spirits. She took with her a single maidservant, one who'd been a go-between and knew all her secrets. They set out at once, and arriving at the place she recognised from his ghostly description, swept away dead leaves and began to dig up a part of the ground that, it seemed to them, had already been disturbed. It wasn't long before she uncovered the body of her miserable lover, showing no signs of corruption or decay, and so her dream was proven all too clearly to be true. No woman could have been sadder, but this was no time for tears. Seeing the impossibility of taking away his whole body, as she would have wished, she took a knife, and, as best she could, cut off the head from his shoulders and wrapped it in a towel. While she covered over the rest of the corpse with soil, the maid held the head in her lap. Finally, making sure that no one had seen, they made their way sadly back home. She managed to avoid her brothers and kept a cheerful, if pale, face for anyone she met. But once in her room, Isabetta locked herself in and began to sob, drenching her lover's head with her tears and covering it with kisses. Then she wrapped the head in a fine piece of cloth and buried it again in a large and beautiful pot, the sort in which peach trees or basil is grown. She then covered it with soil and planted two or three sprouts of the finest salinatine basil, watering it only with rose water or a distillation of orange blossom. She would sit for hours on end by the pot, gazing longingly at it, because it was where all that was left of her beloved Lorenzo lay. And after gazing all that time on it, she would bend over the pot and begin to cry again, weeping incessantly until the basil was thoroughly wet with her tears. Because of the care she took of it, and, no doubt, because the soil was fertilised by Lorenzo's decomposing head, the basil grew thick and fragrant. From time to time, Elizabeth's antics attracted the attention of her neighbours. They could hear her laments, and once, peeping over the wall, one neighbour saw her embracing the pot of basil as if it were her long-lost love. They would listen to the concerns of her brothers about her health, the decline in her looks, her sunken eyes, and eventually the neighbours told them what they had also observed, adding, She follows the same routine every day. The brothers soon saw the truth of what the neighbours said, and having tried to cajole her out of her misery, scolding her even to no effect, they had the pot removed from her room secretly. When she discovered it was gone, 
she would ask for it over and over again, and because they refused to give it back to her, she sobbed and wept endlessly until eventually she fell gravely ill. Even from her sickbed, she would call for the pot of basil. Her brothers couldn't understand why she was so persistent, and so they decided to examine the contents of the pot themselves. They shook out the soil and saw the embroidered cloth, and unwrapping it, found the head inside, not so decomposed that they couldn't recognize the sharp curls of Lorenzo's hair. They were astonished and terrified that people would soon guess what had happened. So without more ado, they buried the head in the garden at the back of the house, and telling no one, quickly wound up their affairs in Messina and moved to Naples. The girl carried on weeping and asking for her pot of basil, until she finally wept herself to death, and in this way brought an end to her ill-starred love. In time, people came to know the whole business, and someone composed a song which is still heard today, sung by the young women of Messina when they're feeling sad and abandoned. This episode of Passion and the Plague was narrated by me, Kevin Childs, and the storyteller, Lauretta, was played by Lindsay Duncan. Subscribe to this series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you listen so you'll never miss an episode. If you've enjoyed this story and want to read more from the Decameron, there's a link in the description to buy the book. Thank you for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.